Thank you. And thank you to our entertainment for this morning, Karen Idol from Houston, Texas. Thank you, Karen. All right. Welcome to the Wednesday morning session of the American Council of the Blind 58th Annual Convention. To get us started this morning in the right frame of mind and spirit, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Reverend Bob Crystal from the Episcopal Church of the Ascension here in Rochester, New York. Reverend? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And for all of you out-of-staters, welcome to the best town in, in New York State. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get it. I know, you woke him up. <laughs> uh, please bow our heads and, the, and receive the invocation. O oh Lord our God, you have shepherded us through all our years and have brought blessing upon blessing to us. Forgive us those times when we have refused or ignored your counsel and guidance. Since we have been so richly blessed, a large obligation is upon us to share our talent, energies, and resources with those about us. From our repentance may, come, may there come a strong resolve to be more diligent in service to you, a deeper desire to be more worthy of the responsibility given us and a greater sensitivity to those about us. We look at our world and see so many areas of need. We are not sure where to start, but remind us constantly that even a cup of water given in your name helps assuage the world's needs. May our great nation, for which we give thanks every day, meet its obligation to serve. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you. So to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance this morning, I've asked um, ACB board member Pat Sheehan, who works for the Veterans Administration, to lead us in our pledge. So please stand. And the flag is to your left. I, pl I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of all veterans for your service. And thank you, Patrick. All right. It's time. It's margarine time. Time for our sponsor recognition, margarine. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to make sure you were awake. Okay, our crown jewel sponsor, 50,000, Ara, reduced hotel rates for convention attendees. Give them a hand. Our diamond sponsors, 25,000, Google, ACB Conference Banquet, J.P. Morgan Chase, off-site ACB educational and recreational events, 
reduced ticket pricing for all events, Microsoft conference participation and development training for future leaders, Vanda Exhibit Hall and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, Verizon, Verizon Media, audio, visual services in general session and all event meeting rooms, Vespiro, ACB radio streaming. Give them a hand. Emerald sponsors, 15,000. Comcast, conference registration. Sprint, conference communication center and newspaper. Uber, ACB radio afternoon broadcast. Give them a hand. Ruby sponsors, 10,000. Adobe Systems, ACB scholarship mentoring program. Amazon, audio description program. AT&T, ACB workshops and seminar program. Cisco, continuing education credits. Facebook, all general sessions. Humanware, ACB auction. Archon, ACB Cafe, Spectrum, Interpreter Service for Deaf-Blind Attendees, and Walmart. Give them a hand. Onyx Sponsors, 5,000, Buell Fund, Recreation Zone, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, National Association of Broadcasters, General Operating Support, National Industries for the Blind, ACP Marketplace, Macular Degeneration, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Give them a hand. Topaz Sponsors, 3,000. Hymns, ACB Link, ACB Lines, Scholarship Travel. Give them a hand. Coral Sponsors, 2000. RSVA, Outstanding Student Orientation, Dinner, and Luncheon. New York State Commission for the Blind, Affiliate President Seminar. Give them a hand. Pearl Sponsors, 1000. Access Ready, sponsored by Votech. ACB Cafe Day, Sunday, July the 7th. Barclay Damon LLP, General Operation Support, Library Users of America, Talking Book Narrator at Convention, The Lighthouse for the Blind Incorporated, Seattle, ACB Cafe Day, Monday, July 8, Trackphone Wireless, Affiliate and Chapter Development Seminar. Give them a hand. And then we have the individual silver sponsors, which are $50. But I have one since yesterday, made a donation. Mary Ellen Frost is a gold sponsor of $100. Silver sponsors, the $50, Michael Alvarez, Albert Anderson, Jonathan Avila, Melody Banks, Artis Bazin, Chris Bell, Barbara Brown, Donna Brown, 
Donna Browning, Carolyn Burley, Olivia Chavez, Sarah Conrad, Mary Ellen Cronin, Vicki Curley, Norman Delkey, Rita Delkick, Jay Dowdney, Paul Edwards, Marcia Farrell, Steve Fort, Katie Frederick, Peggy Garrett, Michael Garrett, Vicki Golightly, Chris Gray, Mary Haran, Mandy Holly, Christine Hunsinger, Judy Jackson, Jim Harak, Darlene Johnson, Richard Johnson, Kathy Lamb, Marie Lyons, Lourdes Marcus, Michael Moran, Freddie Pico, Alan Peterson, Marilyn Pifo, Pifo, Donna Pomerantz, Mitch Pomerantz, Chris Prentice, Alice Rickard, Catherine Smith Whitaker, Sandra Sermons, Pat Sheehan, Naomi Sewell, Sharon Solatsky, I pronounced it wrong here for you, I've got to get that better. Joe Talaferro, Penny Verde, Richard Villa, and Jermaine Whitaker. Give them a hand. It's never too late to donate. Thank you. Turned over to Madam President. Thank you. We have um, a sponsor presentation. First, um, Uber is not able to be here with us today, um, but I just wanted to say their, their Uber got delayed. They couldn't make it. <laughs> no, Uber has been right there for us and for ACB for a long time. They're a great sponsor, and Malcolm Glenn out of Washington, D.C. is a, a good partner for ACB. If we've got issues, we can go to Malcolm, talk him through, and uh, he... He is working very hard for ACB, and including sponsorship rides to get to Capitol Hill during our legislative seminars for folks. Lots of different ways that Uber is supporting ACB. And as a guide dog user myself, I know how hard the Uber team in accessibility is working to train the drivers and to make them reaffirm their understanding that service dogs must be taken in an Uber and that you cannot say no, you do not take dogs in your Uber. So they do that, they have to reaffirm that as a driver and they do it at least quarterly, if not more frequently. Um, drivers often tell me that um, they are asked that question and they have to confirm that they, they know and understand. So. But that doesn't mean that there aren't issues. So if you do have a problem, contact, I always love to say this, contact Claire or Clark because they will help you. <laughs> That's what they do in the ACB office. And they want to know if there's problems because they, they hear from all of you and can determine that there's trends going on and where those trends are. So thank you again to Uber. All right, we, we do have um, another sponsor who has been very good to ACB and our affiliates, and that's Vanda Pharmaceutical. So wake up, everyone. That's a joke, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, because we really need to hear what's new from Vanda and to fill us in on um, Vanda's activities I want to welcome um, Shauna Jatho, who is a clinical nurse educator 
And I believe she's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, perhaps. She is. All right. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you, Karen. Yes, come all the way from the deep south. I'm enjoying this nice weather over here. <laughs> so thank you, ACB, for having me be a part of this convention and to represent Vanda. So my role as a nurse educator and where my passion comes from is education. So if I can educate and increase awareness on the condition non-24 so that you have a clear understanding of who may be affected, if you have symptoms of non-24, what's your next step, what to do about it? We've had myself and Wendy, nurse educator here, for the past few days, so we've been able to meet and talk with several of you individually. If we have not had a chance to talk to you yet, please stop by my booth. It's 25 and 26, and I know all of you are aware that we have the ice cream, right? <laughs> There's a little bit of ice cream left, so please, we don't want any to go to waste. Um, so come back and visit me. I will be here until 10 o'clock, so I don't want to miss if any of you have any specific questions. So just to give a general overview so that you're understanding non-24, it's a circadian rhythm disorder. So to understand the difference there, it's not a sleep disorder. But the three main symptoms is sleep disturbances, where you have, may have difficulty falling asleep at night, difficulty getting a full night's sleep, and taking frequent naps or feeling drowsy during the day. That's the three main symptoms. Non-24 symptoms can come and go. There may be some days, some nights, where you don't have any symptoms at all, and other days and nights where it's extremely frustrating and affecting the quality of your life. Non-24 mainly affects those who are totally blind, up to 70%, which is a really high percentage. But keep in mind that those with low vision can also be affected by non-24. Some individuals who are fully sighted may also develop non-24, but the prevalence, that percentage is very low. If you suffer from any sleep disturbances, a reason for getting set up with our health educator, which is a free service that we offer, is to learn more about non-24. If you're just interested in learning more education, um, if you have symptoms, and don't know what to do, what's my next step, that health educator can help guide you in having that conversation with your doctor to discuss your sleep troubles so that you're treated and diagnosed appropriately. Also, if you would just like your doctor educated, non-24 is a rare condition. Many of our doctors have been educated and are well aware of what non-24 is to differentiate that between sleep troubles or in other sleep conditions. But many of those doctors out there still have not heard of non-24. So to increase the awareness out in our healthcare industry is very important also. So I'll close that by saying, again, thank you all for having us be a part of ACB National Convention again. If you have specific questions or I didn't get to talk to you or I've presented at one of your chapter groups, please come tell me hello. Um, a lot of friendly faces around here. And lastly, if you have not had an opportunity to have one of us nurse educators come to do the full presentation to your chapter group, 
come by and I'll get your contact information so that we can set up and come and meet with your group personally. Thank y'all. All right, just a reminder about badges and voting. Tomorrow is a big day for voting, and we want to be sure that everyone who should have a red dot on their name badge does. So be sure to check your badge and make sure your fellow delegates check their badge. For the red dot, you have until 3 p.m. today to go to registration and get any kind of um, issue corrected with your, um, your status as a member and your red dot. All right, next, I'd like to recognize um, John Huffman, our chair of the ACB Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Good morning, ACB. Thank you, John. We're more than halfway done. We have two proposed Constitution and Bylaw amendments to bring before the body. And the way this works is that we must give them a, f a first reading today. That's all that will happen. There will be no uh, debate at this time. When they come back around again tomorrow, that will be the time to debate and take a vote. All right. The first proposal, which we've labeled as uh, Amendment 29-01, reads as follows. The um, current, langu current language reads suspension and expulsion and says that any member may be expelled or suspended by a two-thirds vote of the conference and convention after a hearing as provided in Robert's Rules of Order, newly revised. In the proceedings to expel or suspend, the member charged shall have the right to vote. The amendment, if approved, would change, would replace the current language as follows. And again, this is uh, Article 3, Membership Voting and Dues. Section E, Code of Conduct, Disciplinary Action. The Board of, Director, the board of Directors, in, cons in consultation with uh, competent legal counsel, is herein authorized to establish a Code of Conduct policy applicable to those attending any ACB meeting and or function and, if warranted, to impose discipline in accordance with such policy. All ACB members attending shall be given notice of the terms of any such code of conduct policy. In, accord in accordance with Article 10 of this Constitution, the relevant proceedings of Robert's Rules of Order revised 
respecting disciplinary procedures and actions shall govern in all cases to which they are appropriately applicable. The second proposed uh, amendment, which would be labeled as um, Amendment 2019-02, would make the following change to Bylaw 9. Before the sentence beginning, an application shall be accompanied, insert the following sentence, Quote, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee shall be responsible for reviewing the governing instruments of any organization requesting affiliation for the purpose of, de of determining that no inconsistencies exist between said governing instance, instances and ACB's Constitution and Bylaws. And the, the language that is already there remains without change. And that language basically um, tells, tells a spot, um, potential affiliates what they need to submit uh, to be considered for affiliation. Um, here ends the first reading of these two proposals. Thank you. All right. We are going to um, hear from possibly a couple resolutions now from our resolutions committee chair and vice chair, um, Mark Reichert and Gabe Griffith, respectively. Mark? Good morning, one and all. Oh, come on now. I've had, I've had <laughs> one and a half Diet Mountain Dews this morning. I am revved up. If you guys don't have caffeine, there's something wrong with you. All right. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, Kim introduced us as chair and vice chair. I really like to think of John. Uh, John, <laughs> you're not John. You're Gabe. That was John a moment ago. Like I said, uh, maybe I need more caffeine. I like to think of Gabe Griffith from California as my uh, buddy and cohort in crime here, co-chair extraordinaire. We've got a, a couple resolutions for you this morning, if time will allow. And uh, this uh, first one we will read has to do with Medicare and prosthetic eyes, and it's an important issue. Uh, and uh, just a note, and uh, those of you who are faithful uh, adherents to resolutions and how we do these sorts of things, there's always boilerplate language that's included in resolutions that has to do with, uh, with where we are, what, uh, what day it is, and when we've adopted this, this thing. We don't read that every time because you always start throwing things at us even more than you otherwise would. Uh, so uh, just know that when you hear us skip over that, that that stuff is always included in the final text, okay? So with that, let's read the first one. Whereas many people who are blind or who have low vision lose one or both eyes due to illness, injury, or surgery. And whereas in these cases it is extremely important to obtain prosthetic eyes, both to help prevent infection in the eye and retain musculature in the eyelid, as well as for aesthetic reasons. And whereas, nationally, Medicare fails to provide appropriate coverage of such prostheses, and where such coverage might happen to be offered, most ocularists 
refuse to accept Medicare reimbursement. Now, therefore, be it resolved, and that's where we'd put our boilerplate, that this organization work through administrative, regulatory, and if necessary, legislative channels to raise the Medicare reimbursement rate for prosthetic eyes to at least 80% of actual cost. And of course, the Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass. With several seconds, I'm sure. All right, is there anyone wishing to speak? I think microphone four, please. Thank you. Go ahead. This is Michael Byington. Oh, oh well, yeah, you, you can imitate me. <laughs> Go no, ahead. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow, Michael. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> okay. I, I think that you will accept this as friendly, more than likely. Yes. Uh, in the second whereas clause, you talk about enucleation of the eye and then preventing infection in the eye. The word eye uh, needs to have the word socket, socket added after it. Very good. We shall add it, sir. Yeah. That, that is definitely friendly. Thank you, Michael. It is indeed. All right. Hearing no other discussion and no one at microphones, all those in favor of this resolution say aye. Aye. Opposed? The resolution is adopted. Thank you. Madam President, do we have some time for some yes. more? Yes, let's do I'm another one. I'm turning it over to my co-chair. Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for Mr. Gabriel, Gabriel Griffith. Griffith. All right. Okay. Good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome. This is my first time doing this, so please be gentle with me. <laughs> Wait until tomorrow to throw stuff at me. All right. Uh, this one that I'm going to read now deals with barcodes and barcode readers. Whereas access to printed information is important in the performance of daily tasks, and whereas for persons who are blind or otherwise print disabled, access to this information is difficult to obtain, and whereas barcodes on food and other items provide access to this information for those with print disabilities through the use of barcode scanners. And whereas Trader Joe's uses proprietary barcode technology that is unreadable by barcode scanners usable by consumers with print disabilities. And whereas such a policy deprives such people of access to vital health and nutritional information, cooking instructions, and other important information, and whereas the lack of necessity for, let me start that over. Whereas the lack of necessity for this practice is underscored 
by the fact that this type of proprietary barcode is not used by other major chains. And whereas Trader Joe's has shown itself in other ways to be extremely proactive in working with people with vision impairments and others. Now therefore, be it resolved that this organization requests that Trader Joe's change its practice to enable people with print disabilities using barcode scanners to access product information. And the Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass. Yes. Reso uh, motion's been made and seconded. This one seems pretty straightforward to me. No one's at the mic, so therefore, all those in favor of this resolution signify by saying aye. aye. Opposed? The resolution is adopted. And there's one more, one more short one. Thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, all right, thank you very much. Uh, we should, uh, Gabe is reminding me that uh, we need to remind you all, but especially our secretary, that the first one that we did on Medicare reimbursement for prosthetic eyes is resolution 2019-01, and Gabe just shepherded through 2902, and he did a fabulous job for his first time in resolution. Actually, the simple truth is Gabe is no stranger to resolutions. Uh, what, you've co-chaired, right, with Jeff Tom and others at, uh, at California Council of the Blind? That's... Yeah, he doesn't have a mic, but bottom right. line is... Yeah, okay, I do not. Yes, I have, I have chaired and co-chaired uh, the California Council of the Blind Resolutions Committee for many, many years. So, no small task. I had, had the pleasure of serving on this committee with Mark and everybody else You're, for years also. And, and, and the check is in the mail, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, since the time is ticking, we're going to try to do another one. This is on... Uh, nasty things that uh, folks are trying to do to take some jobs and opportunities away from blind people. And we don't like that very much in the American Council of the Blind. Whereas a recent court ruling erroneously holds that the U.S. Congress has intended for service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, otherwise known as SDVOSBs, to have federal procurement priority over ability one nonprofit agencies employing people who are blind or visually impaired. And whereas, consequently, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has issued a so-called class deviation memorandum leading contracting officers to currently re-compete re current... Uh, to, cur to currently recompete Ability One contracts with the VA, putting these contracts at grave risk of being taken away from nonprofit agencies employing people who are blind or who have low vision. And whereas approximately 800 people who are blind or visually impaired are at risk of losing their jobs, uh, and then in parens, including blinded veterans. 
and thousands more will uh, be at serious risk by the all too predictable resulting reduction or elimination of vocational, rehabilitative, and related services offered by the affected agencies. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization urges the U.S. Congress to take immediate legislative action to ensure that Ability One nonprofit agencies can retain current contracts for products and services with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and thereby continue to provide meaningful careers for approximately 800 Americans who are blind or, vis or visually impaired, including blinded veterans. And we patriotically recommend a do pass. <laughs> All right. Motion's been made and seconded. Hearing no discussion. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The resolution is adopted. Thank you for adopting 2019-03. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Thank you. All right. I'd like to, um, to turn to a couple of our um, ACB Angel presentations this morning. Yes, Madam Chair, point of information, this is uh, Gretchen Mowney from the Missouri Council of the Blind. I wanted to ask uh, where one might obtain uh, copies to read of the bylaws amendments uh, before we have to vote on them tomorrow. Um, so... Um, Usually the bylaw changes are produced by the communication center. Um, let me check with Eric, and we'll see if those are available and report back. Okay, Gretchen? Yeah, um, Madam Chair, one more. Um, as someone who went blind at age 23, I read Braille very slowly, so if they could also be available electronically, that would be appreciated. We'll see if we can email them out on the email list. That would be how we could do that, I think, through the information desk. Thank you, Madam Chair. Okay. Uh -huh. Someone who's very wise, Janet Dickelman, just tapped me on the shoulder and said that um, there are copies, physical copies at the information desk and electronic copies as well will be made available there as well. Thank you. All right, I want to recognize um, to speak on Carolyn Colby as an ACB angel, ACB member Nikki Colby. Welcome, Nikki. I, I'd like to thank the American Council of the Blind of Minnesota for their generous donation for an angel memorial in memory of my mom, Carolyn Colby. I'll, I'll start by describing who she was to ACBM and ACB, and then move on to who she was to me. Mom was no, most known as a volunteer and, during conventions and our quarterly meeting. I often found myself as part of a chain of people going sighted guide with with mom to the restrooms, relief areas, or exhibit halls. She was 
always cheerful, even early in the morning. As Janet said in our written tribute, she always had a smile in her voice. Mom, was also, Mom also served on the ACBM Board of direct, Directors and as our webmaster. As a web developer herself, she was a great advocate for accessibility. When she saw an inaccessible website, she suggested strongly effective solutions to the problem. For me, she was an advocate, caregiver, rock, and friend. Those of us who were blind from an early age know how much our parents advocated for us. Mom definitely advocated for me with teachers and others, encouraging them to treat me equally, calming their fears about having a blind student, and reminding them to turn worksheets and readings in on time and early to the Braillists before they were needed. Before technology, she interlined my assignments and, and spent a lot of time doing that, as many of you know. When she was, oh, when I was in college and disability services was backed up, she scanned the books for me. Then she added them to Bookshare so others could benefit. When I developed chronic illnesses, mom became my caregiver, helping me cope with challenges we never expected. At home, she drove me to countless appointments and her constant empathy made a huge difference for me. At one point, she spent six weeks with me while I was critically ill away from home. She was a calm voice, reading me caring bridge comments and calming me when I was upset or agitated. The woman sitting quietly as in an uncomfortable chair, providing quiet companionship, and the lady with a playful sense of humor, and the friend who smuggled in food I would actually eat. The, the relationship we had became both mother-daughter and friend-to-friend. To me, my family, and those in the blindness community, she was an advocate, volunteer, parent, spouse, or friend. Mom brought great love, joy, and care into our lives. Thanks, Mom, for who, who you were and what you gave us. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you. And to speak to us about Barbara McDonald from Arizona, John McCann, president of Arizona Council of the Blind. Before uh, saying what I'm going to say about Barbara McDonald, I want to give a special uh, shout out of thanks to Ms. Gail Wilt 
and so many other members of the Arizona Council of the Blind for giving me all the background information. As is, I think, well known, uh, I am only recently in the state of Arizona as a retiree and henceforth did not have the ability to uh, develop the kind of relationship with Barbara, at least not longitudinally, that they had as virtu by virtue of having been in the state with her for a many more years than I had been. Late on the morning of Saturday, May 26th, 2018, we received in the Arizona Council the very, very sad news that Barbara Smith McDonald had passed away. Barbara just would describe herself as a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, grandmother, Catholic, English, Irish, French-Canadian, Pennsylvania Dutch, a little bit of German thrown in. We in the Arizona Council of the Blind knew her as a leader, a teacher, a mentor, an advocate, an inspirer, with a seemingly limitless amount of energy, dedication, and commitment to advancing the rights and interests of all people with disabilities. Barbara was born in Canada in 1945. Eight years later, their family moved to Phoenix. I guess they, they were one of the earliest snowbirders, I don't know. Um, she went to St. Mary's High School. In 1967, she married her husband, Richard McDonald, and that was actually why they didn't make it to the 2017 convention in Reno, because uh, it was the 50th anniversary. <laughs> and she explained to me, John, you know I'd be there, but it's our 50th anniversary. I said, Barbara, you're excused. It's okay. They moved to Chicago shortly after marrying. They were there for 23 years. Uh, in 1981, Barbara graduated from Northeastern Illinois University with a degree in elementary education and uh, actually a minor in math. She taught in the school system of the Catholic Diocese of Chicago until 1990, whereupon the family returned to Phoenix. It was at about this time that she developed kidney disease and she was on regular dialysis. However, she still was able to teach. In 1995, her uh, disease had progressed to the point where a transplant was necessary. The surgery itself was successful, but a subsequent infection robbed her of her eyesight. In, 20, in 1996, she attended her first meeting of the Arizona Council of the Blind, and she immediately found a network of support and mentoring there. The next year, she became secretary, and she served in that position from 1997 to 2007. I guess there were no limits on how long you could serve. <laughs> 10 years, geez. In 2007, she became first vice president. In 2008 to 10, she served as president. Subsequent to that, she had served in many leadership positions. Uh, actually, she was very instrumental in handling the consolidation of the Maricopa Club and the Phoenix chapter. That happened in 2017. Barbara was also extremely active in cross-disability coalitions, and uh, I'll get into her, my relationship with her on the advocacy in a few minutes. I won't go on at too much further length. 
Barbara was a member of the Arizona Disability Advocacy Coalition. She was a member of the Governor's Council on Blindness and Visual Impairment. That's the governor's, as the name distinctly suggests, we give advice to the governor on matters dealing with blindness. And she was a board member of the Vision Rehabilitation Assistance Technology Expo, Assistive Technology Expo. That's a real up and coming event. It's been going on for 20 years and it's becoming one of the premier events in the Southwest. On a personal note, as again, I was a very recent uh, transplant to Arizona and uh, I really needed to get up to speed on the movers and shakers. Barbara had a real passion for advocacy. She was my immediate go-to girl when it came to advancing the issues about which we were concerned. I said, Barbara, who do I need to talk to about this? And who do I need to talk to about that? She was absolutely my right-hand person. And my last memory of Barbara, you have to go back a year, shortly before her death. Not that you'd remember this date, I certainly do, but it'll be apparent why. On March 2nd of 2018, I underwent rather some serious back surgery. And our uh, Arizona Council Board meeting was eight days later. I was still in a rehab facility. I could therefore not at all discount the distinct possibility that uh, in the middle of, while trying to preside at a meeting, I would be called away for occupational or physical therapy or some such. As it happened, that didn't happen, but I figured it most likely would. So I handed off the chores of uh, presiding at that meeting to Barbara and she did her usual stellar job. Barbara, Arizona misses you. Arizona loves you. ACB misses and loves you. Thank you for all you did for the blind and visually impaired of Arizona nationally. Rest in peace. And we have a few more angel tributes and we'll conclude those tomorrow. All right, we will now move on with our program, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you today's presiding officer, um, David Trott, who is the treasurer of ACB, and he hails from Talladega, Alabama. David? Good morning. You know, this is... My favorite day, not because I have to uh, get to be up here with you, but because of the reports that we get and that you get to really see the exciting day-to-day -day activities of ACB and what we're doing to move this organization forward. And I think by the end of the meetings today, you're going to be totally, totally blown away by the work we do with such a small staff. It's truly amazing. Stand up and give them a hand if you would. They're great people. Now, I have, one, I have one more out-of-program remark before we get on schedule, and I'm a pretty good taskmaster at that, so I hope by my president running me behind, I can get us back on track, you know. Um, realistically, you know, we look at generation families in ACB that dedicate their life to ACB. You think of Carla's parents and Carla, and now Patty, that's three generations in. What we don't think about ever, or I've actually never even seen it really, much is 
What about a staff member whose family is dedicated to ACB? We have a young lady who's out. She works with Janet. She works in registration. She's always helping on tours. Her husband is our photographer. And my colleague, Nancy Becker, makes my job so much easier. She'll, if I don't answer an email that she thinks I should quick enough, I'll get a call and she'll say, David, did you happen to see that email that I sent? And, and really, y'all, she is a truly dedicated employee. She goes through our audits. Would y'all join me in thanking her for what she does? Now, for some news about the conventions, a lady that has a full-time job that we absolutely don't pay her for, um, but she truly does. I know from listening to her and Rhonda talk on the convention committee and, and the things that they do, she puts an, uh, just an amazing amount of work in every year for ACB. So here with the conference and convention report is from St. Paul, Minnesota, is our own convention committee chair, Ms. Janet Dickelman. Taking over your mic. There you go. Oh. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, David, for that great introduction. Before I get started with my report, I'm gonna do a couple lost and found items but I just want to take a second of personal privilege to thank Nikki Kobe for the great job for the Angel Memorial for her mom. Nikki, I know how hard that was for you. You did great. All right, lost and found. We have a note taker that was left in the IRA party. Did I hear O? Oh, oh. <laughs> well, someone's note taker is at the information desk. We have a pair of women's sunglasses we have a bag with some, as Michael described them, exhibit purchases, including a phone charger. We have a headphone to lightning adapter. We have a hearing aid case. We have a tube of lipstick and an empty um, ACB bag that was left at, on the bus yesterday. One of the buses yesterday, I believe the adult beverage. And we have a ring that was found at the auction. And if anyone, if the ring belongs to anyone, Nancy in registration has that. All right, a folding cane or a straight? A 48-inch cane was left at the ACB Cafe this morning. I'm getting announcements as I'm standing here. Wow, okay. So that is our lost and found. Now for my convention report. I can't believe this is the eighth convention I've been privileged to coordinate. I know. In spite of all the work, and the occasional hiccup. I love being convention coordinator. I'm so privileged to do this, thank you. Um, doing this report is so much fun because I get to thank everyone. The staffs from the Riverside, the Hyatt, and the Convention Center, they've just been outstanding. What do you guys think of the ACB Cafe? Yeah. Pull, pulled pork today again, my favorite. Um, I'd like to thank the local host committee. I know it, this was a difficult 
convention for local people because there weren't a lot of lo local new, uh, local Rochesterians, but they did an outstanding job. Karen Blackovich, Phyllis Blow, Kathy Casey, Ian Foley, Mike Godina, Jean Mann, who I know Jean particularly worked very hard on all the entertainers, um, Mary Beth Metzger, who's just been everywhere this week, Ann Parsons with her invocations in religious services. Carrie Regan, didn't she do a great job on the Star National Anthem? And Laurie Scharf, the chair who put everything together. And you guys all did a... You guys all did a great job getting items for the goodie bags and braille writers and just, you know, tremendous help. Thank you so much. I'd also like to help us to thank, to help, to thank my telephone registration people who helped get a lot of you registered for the convention. Kim Carmichael, Deb Cook-Lewis, Tracy George, and Catalina Martinez. Thank you all for your help. And we did about... 130 registrations over the phone. And I even did some myself. Um, Nancy, Nancy, Christine, Nicole, and Lane of the Minneapolis office. I, you all work so hard. You do so much to ensure that this convention is a success. And I can't forget my convention daughter, Miss Camille Becker, who is everywhere and runs all over the place for me. Um, I always know when outgoing President Kim Charlson is uh, working on the agenda for general sessions because all of a sudden I open up my email and I have about 10 Kim emails. <laughs> Kim, your common sense, your wide variety of contacts and your ongoing support has really have been priceless. Thank you. I'll miss working with you. As always, the most important, I can't, I can never do this part without crying. As always, the most important and heartfelt thank yous are to my committee, my amazing convention committee. You guys do such a good job and you make my life so much easier. Marjorie, who's everywhere. Sally, wow, we had great volunteers this year. Thanks to JW and everyone else. DJ and Rachel, who've been running all over the place, doing a myriad of things. Vicki and her information desk, she's always on top of things. Michael Smitherman, what a great exhibit hall we had this year, wasn't it? I think this is... I think it was a great space. And Rhonda, in your tours, we have had some fun, fun tours. And lots more to go. And finally, to a gentleman who is not here with us, Mr. Rick Morin, Mr. AV guy, who was not able to be with us because he broke his ankle severely, but he is at home directing AV, sending numerous emails, making numerous phone calls, and he is always on top of things. And Rick, we miss you and we'll see you next year. <laughs> All right, upcoming conventions. 2020 will be at the Renaissance Hotel in Schaumburg, Illinois. Yeah! 
my goodness. Okay, now, Illinois, now you can start talking to me about the convention after I get home, please. Um, and convention dates for the 2020 convention are Friday, July 3rd through Friday, July 10th. Um, and then our 2021 convention will be at the Hyatt Regency in Phoenix. And, yep. And we're going to do a little differently in 2021. Our convention is going to be a little later in the summer, which I think is going to be very, very, it's going to be different, but I think it's going to be great for a lot of people and especially for our vendors. It will be July 23rd through July 30th. And Mr. Treasurer, that concludes my convention report. And again, thank you all so much for everything and hope you've had a great convention experience. This next report, um, about a year, and, about two years ago when you elected me treasurer, several of you came to me and asked us if we could change the routine and not do that long go-to-sleep treasurer's report. So we did switch to the narrative. Uh, but just as a point of information for you before I start the narrative, I want you to know that Nancy and I are here to answer any questions that you have. It's just that this is the information that's pertinent to certain lines in the report and the other lines in the report basically are day-to-day -day expenses like how much rent we paid in one place and how much in another. So if, with that, I'm going to start. I hope you can hear me because I have to read at the same time. Yeah. ACB financial statements were audited by Burgundy KDV in March 2019 and once again we received a clean report. <laughs> 2018 revenue was $1,429,513. Our expenses were $1,412,878, resulting in a profit from operations of $16,000. $635. Unrestricted loss on investments was $317,803. Profit from our convention was $240,870. This resulted in an overall net loss of $60,298 in 2018. We did a great job with grants. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We did a great job of managing our operations with an Let me start again. <laughs> we did a great job of managing, uh, managing our operations, which in an area that that's an area that we can control, even though the next staff we hired a new staff member, was added, and we increased, pardon me, I do have to turn page, our office space in Alexandria. We had a profit still of $16,635 from operations. In 2017, we were notified that Lewis Wagner and Rhodes Schroeder had included ACB in their estates. Uh, 
these funds were recognized in 2017 and this receivable was not included on our balance sheet. In 2018, when ACB received a partial disbursement from these states, these funds were allocated between our board reserve investments fund and our new legacy endowment fund. In the future, we estimate the legacy fund will be used to add a line to our ex, um, income, helping with the budget each, expenses each year. We received five grants for 54000 This was $22,000 increase from 2017. Scholarships were awarded to 17 recipients and the awards total was $67,000. This was an increase of $12,000 for 2017. Oh, I didn't know I could lift this mic up. I'm better now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm dealing with a bunch of short folks up here, folks. ACB <laughs> received a couple of grants from Google for audio description. Na of national parks sites. We are working with the University of Hawaii to complete these projects. ACB was fortunate to be able to host the World Blind Union in November in Alexandria. ACB, ACB's unrealized losses, money in 2018 it was similar to the losses in the stock market. And you know that we don't really, we look at them as losses if it continued over time, but we look at it as just a temporary setback. And I can take an off of the report right here and tell you that it was temporary because we're already back this year. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in since that's the main bad news in this report. <laughs> ACB received an anonymous donation for replacing the Braille embossers, laptops and in both offices, and refurbishing of the Alexandra offices. Okay, now we're gonna look at the revenue categories, and these are where we don't read the lines anymore, we just read the categories. Um, unrestricted contributions were $359,881. Restricted contributions were $310,218. Program revenue was $167,147. Membership dues was $50,361. Fundraising revenue was $162,444. Contributions from ACVES, that's our enterprises, it's where our thrift stores are. Um, I'm going to skip that one because, uh, well, no, it was last year. Okay, so we're good. Uh, $221,604. Uh, the reason I was going to skip that in this, uh, Reverend Garrett will be up here in just a minute to give you the ACBS report for this year. Investment and interest income was $157,558.
Okay, now we're going to talk about the expense category. Wages and benefits were $555,275. Don't worry about it, Eric gets most of it. Um, <laughs> occupancy and office expenses were $215,739. Professional fees were $200,396. Audio description project was $150,000. $56,148. Scholarship awards were $78,045. Fundraising expenses, $56,169. Braille forum expenses, $34,226. Travel and meeting expenses were $110,986. Other expenses, $5,000. $893. And now as I turn the page, I'm going to close this with some exciting good news. <laughs> All right. At, at, the end of two, at the end of April 2019, the Legacy Fund has $763,520. But now let me tell you the good news. Just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week and a half ago, we received some more money, and this will move the Legacy Fund now up in excess of a million dollars. And also our board reserves, which we operate on a daily basis, um, they are increased as well. Part of the money, now we have a policy in place. Part of the money that we, re that we get from Legacy and our endowments um, they are divided between the day-to-day -day operations, which we call the board reserves. A percentage of it goes there. The remainder goes into the legacy endowment. However, if you want to go home and fix your wheel and you want to leave every bit that you want to leave to the legacy endowment, if you specify it that way, that's the way it happens. So I thank you for giving me the opportunity to give you this report today. ACBES, ACB Enterprises and Services, is our, um, I call it base store, as you can tell I worked in the uh, NIB environment for a while. Uh, <laughs> our thrift stores are part of this, um, excuse me, I lost my place when I said base stores. Um, our thrift stores are a great part of the income that we have each year. And this year, he, I'm not going to give his report away, but I'm going to tell you, you won't want to shoot him when he gets done. My, uh, Reverend Michael Garrett from Mississippi, uh, no, Missouri City, <laughs> Texas. Mississippi, Texas. Thanks, David, for trying to change where I live. Good morning, ACB. You know, in times past, I have stood before you searching for the right words to say. Fortunately, I don't have to do that today. No more searching, no more fidgeting, no more wanting to say the right things 
and be honest and wishing I could. But today, let me tell you that to date at ACBES, it's all good. As David mentioned, uh, to those of you who may not be familiar with or may be new to ACB, we operate two thrift stores. They are in, in the great state of Texas, in uh, Amarillo and in Lubbock. And we sell gently used items and sometimes even new items to people who, who like to do shopping at thrift stores. And uh, that, that has been a, 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 an ongoing operation for ACB. In our Amarillo store, we hired a new manager back in October of last year, and we are seeing things happen in that store that haven't occurred in a number of years. And those are good things. In our Lubbock store, we also have hired a different manager. We, uh, back in 2015 in Dallas, some of you may remember that we introduced to you our million-dollar man, Mr. Jerry Cooper. He raised over a million dollars for ACB. Well, he's decided to step down, and we've hired a new manager. And I'm excited because... He has come in with some new and bright ideas to even build on the success that Jerry has given us in our, in our Lubbock store. David shared with you, well, before I say that, let me, let me, say, let me say this. I want to thank the board members of ACBES, who, 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 whom I have the honor and privilege to serve with, uh, which includes Jeff Tom, David Trott, Dan Spoon, George Holiday, and, of course, our president, Kim Charlson. We have, we have to have a lady on the board because that, that helps us in the, in the shopping mode. They keep, <laughs> you know... They, they keep us, you know, we, we, we go for the, for the numbers and all that, but they bring us back to the real business of shopping. So Kim has been a great addition to our board. David, well, even before I go there, let me say this. I want to also thank Nancy Becker and Nicole Beto, who operate on a daily basis with the stores and keep things going. Uh, I applaud them for their... Uh, yeah. For, for their professionalism and their understanding uh, of the business operations. They do a wonderful job for us. Now, for my last comment. <laughs> David mentioned uh, the... the in his treasurer's report, the, the numbers. And you can tell by what we have contributed, we're contributing a, a little over 15% of the revenues 
for ACB. I've promised you in the past that that was our goal, is to be a significant contributor to the revenue and, and of ACB to continue the great work that this organization does. I'll stand here today to say that we maintain that goal to contribute significantly to the ongoing work of ACB. That ends my report. Thank you, thank you, Michael. And I know it feels good to give a great report like that for a change. And we at ACB certainly are excited about it because it's bringing some significant funding into ACB, and that's what the thrift stores were designed for. You know, in ACB, we we may uh, work our employees hard, and we may not have enough of them. We don't pay them enough, but we do give them a good title. You know, we're, we're good at that. So, you know, if you want a good title and you don't want to get paid much, come in, but we're going to work you. <laughs> okay, our, our next one, um, I re when I read this, I thought, okay, that's kind of strange on flying skies. But anyway, furry friends and flying skies, an update on the state of air travel for guide dog handlers, Claire Stanley, ACB Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, Arlington, Virginia. We once again have to uh, adjust the mic because I'm a lot shorter than everybody else. <laughs> Um, so this is Claire, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, and I'll be talking briefly about our furry friends flying in the sky. Um, so we, um, thank you, Kelly. Um, we are participating, we meaning Clark and myself, um, are continuing to work on several committees to talk about what's going on as far as policies and airlines go, um, as it concerns us bringing our guide dogs on planes. Also talking about uh, what different airlines themselves are doing. Um, so as far as the government goes, there's a lot been going on with airlines making new policies that impact those of us who bring our service animals onto planes. And so the government is trying to react to these new policies. Um, so taking a step back, within the last year, in 2018, we saw several airlines that were establishing policies that said you had to bring documentation um, to demonstrate that your service animal was indeed a service animal. Uh, many of us know that this goes contrary to the Air Carriers Access Act. Um, so um, Tony Stevens, um, who was our former director of advocacy and governmental affairs, um, was working directly with a lot of these airlines such as Delta and did a great job to um, help um, reestablish what these policies should be. But Delta was just one of many airlines that started to pop up with such policies. Um, and so as a result, um, the uh, Federal Aviation Administration under the Department of Transportation has started to take um, some actions to deal with these issues since they don't seem to be going away. So we have the fortunate um, position, we meaning ACB, to sit on a committee um, that meets about twice a year with the FAA to talk about these issues. And 
sitting on this um, committee, they've told us that they are in the process of developing an interim statement on what it's going to look like for service animals as opposed to emotional support animals, et cetera, to um, go on, go on uh, flights and what have you. They told us that this interim statement was going to come out in the spring of 2019. Well, it's now July, spring is over, so we're still waiting. We'll let everybody know when that interim statement does come out. We're waiting eagerly, but it has not come out at this point, um, so we will see what happens. Once the interim statement does come out, they have told us, they meaning the FAA, that there's going to be a notice of proposed rulemaking. Um, for those of you who don't know, a notice of proposed rulemaking just gives an opportunity for persons, all Americans, to um, supply answers to, or comments to several questions that are put out by the government. So once those, um, those questions are put out in the fall, again, they said the fall, they are taking more time than they've said, so we'll see if it's in the fall. But once those NPRMs come out, um, we encourage all members of ACB to put out comments in response to the questions questions they give us. Clark, Rockfell, and myself are here to help everybody with those with the process. So if you need any help with submitting comments, please contact us at the national office or send us emails at advocacy at acb.org and we can help you submit those comments because we think it's really important that everybody submit questions or excuse me, answers to the questions they give us. So please do that. Again, we're sitting on the committee or a group that allows us to submit uh, or give uh, our opinion on different issues. So if you guys have any comments you want uh, myself to bring to the uh, committee, please let me know. Um, we think this is really important. Um, just as some background, we're starting to see other airlines pop up. Like I said, Delta was one of the first ones, and Tony did a great job um, responding immediately. But we have seen many other airlines continue to pop up. We've seen a few much smaller local airlines do the same thing. Um, we are fortunate to have connections directly with the FAA. Um, we talk regularly with Alex today and Blaine Worky at the FAA. Um, we have direct communication. So if you have any issues, please let us know and we can email you the directly or email them directly, excuse me. Um, they also have a process where you can submit complaints directly on their website. There is an immediate timeline that you need to do that. So if you have an issue, please submit your comments immediately. I believe it's a six-week um, response time. If, again, if you need any help doing that, Clark and myself can help you. Uh, Alex today from the FAA has sent us directly the link to the website. So we can help you do that. So please make sure that you do that. Um, just as some background also, um, I sit myself on a working group for uh, ACAA, Air, Air Carriers Access Act um, issues. We work with other disability advocacy groups such as Paralyzed Veterans and United Spinal, and we're continuously on a monthly basis looking at new policies that are popping up, looking at what the government's doing. So we are working with these other organizations to make sure we know what's going on. So if you personally have any issues that are popping up, please do not hesitate to contact us with those experiences. We want to know what's going on. We want to know what issues we can bring to these committees that we have access to. One last thing, uh, the FAA is creating an advisory board of different organizations. Um, 
either persons specifically who have disabilities or persons from organizations that represent people with disabilities. Um, so I've applied for that advisory board. We're still waiting to hear. Um, it's the government, so they're taking their sweet time, but we're waiting to hear back from them. So hopefully we'll have representation in that committee as well. If we don't get selected directly, we do have direct communications again with many of the other organizations that have applied as well. So we're going to continue to interact directly with the FAA under Department of Transportation. So we're very fortunate to have the connection with the government. So please don't, um, don't hesitate to contact us with any issues as they apply to bringing your guide dogs um, on airlines. So again, you can contact Clark, Clark, Clark Rockwell and myself at advocacy at acb.org. That's advocacy at acb.org. Or you can always call the national office. We want to know what's going on. Uh, we'll keep you posted once we do hear when the interim statement is, uh, is put out to the public. Like I said, we're waiting anxiously. It's no longer spring. It's the summer. But we will let you know when the interim statement comes out and then give you guys instructions to submit your own comments for the notice of proposed rulemaking. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chair. Hello, ACB, let's see what we got here. Okay, uh, we, have some, we have some coffee mugs and some coffee in a bag, is that from ACBNY? Okay, so we have some coffee and coffee mugs in a bag from ACBNY, and the winner is? Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia. Donna Brown, I know you're here. There she is. Something tells me after all that walking she did, she could use some coffee, so. <laughs> all right, what do we have next, Phyllis? <laughs> oh, here we go, we have a donation from our info desk. This is, let me read the label here. Uh, it's upside down, uh, okay. We have a t-shirt, and I think this is a $20 bill brought to you by the Georgia Council. Thank you, Georgia. And the name is? Nellie Emerson, Santa Maria, California. Nellie Emerson, Santa Maria, California. Are you here? Are you here, Nellie? Okay, drawing again. We've got um, Teresa Curry from Gonzales, uh, LA, Louisiana. Teresa Curry, Gonzales, Louisiana, you're here. Oh, awesome. Okay, let's do one more. Uh, let's see what else we have in here. We have this. This is... Uh, donated by Jennifer Bowling from Mich the Michigan Council for the Visually Impaired. I don't know. Oh, wait. Here it is. It's I actually, wait. No, I can't even read that. What the heck is that? Oh. Uh, I don't know what it is. Oh, here. Sweet Orange Dream Cream. Ooh. Sweet Orange Dream Cream from the Michigan Council. Thank you, Michigan. I pulled out Colbert Ashby from Bridgetown, Barbados. Ah. I believe I met you at the info desk, Colbert. Are you here? Colbert Ashby from Bridgetown, Barbados. One of our international friends. Are you here? Okay, sorry, Colbert. We're going to have to pick somebody else. Alan Casey from Graham, North Carolina. Oh, he's right here. Perfect. Here you go, Alan. All right, right here, Alan. Okay, before we go on our break, um, I'm going to ask if we have any announcements. And since I'm right here, I'm going to do the first one. I want to remind you that our Braille Forum raffle this year 
it's it's kind of tight. We're a little behind, so if you would jump in there, if you had to get with one buddy or five buddies and buy you a ticket, you can win five thousand, one thousand, or five hundred dollars, and it's to help the Braille Forum. And you can get those at the mini mall if you need to use your credit card. All right, question about the FAA. The con oh, Mary Lynn Pifo from Westerville, Ohio. Uh, the questionnaire the FAA put out last year, is this a repeat questionnaire or an additional? Question two, if you file a complaint about an airline, should you expect a response in nine months? You, you might want to contact Claire. She's already left the room. And uh, RGDUI. It's Claire C. Stanley at acb.org. Thank you, David. This is Lori from ACB of New York. We would just like to remind you that we have iHeart ACB hoodies at our store as well as raffle tickets for an iPad mini, which includes a Bluetooth keyboard and a stand and a case. Um, we are able to take credit cards starting today. So today and tomorrow, we are able to take credit cards. And the hoodies are $30 for one or two for 50. And we are selling chocolate and we have some back here in general session as well. And the ACBNY suite is $15.50 and you can usually find somebody there in the evening with chocolate. Oh, I'm sorry, Riverside. Okay, thank you. This is Kathy Gerhardt with one more announcement about the AAVL raffle. We had it last night at our mixer, and I want to announce the winners. Our first, the first prize of $100 goes to this lucky winner, Donna Brown. <laughs> And the second prize of $75 goes to Christy Crespin of California Council. And the third prize of $50 goes to Doug Powell. Thank you very much. Yes, Harvey Hagee. Uh, for those of you interested in ham radio, the ACB radio amateurs will be meeting this afternoon at 1.15 in the McQuaid Room, third level Riverside Hotel. Will Shell, whom you heard yesterday, will be speaking to us. You know he's a good presenter. We will be raffling off an HT radio, but you must hold a valid amateur license to be eligible for that. Tickets are $5 each. And if you wish to, you may join the affiliate at the meeting today. $10 a year are the dues. And if you join today, you will be considered paid up through 2021. Hi there. This is Frank Welt, Welty from the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco, California. You've, you've seen my ads this week in the newspaper. Today is the last day for Lighthouse office hours, 1 to 2.30 in room 836 of the Riverside Hotel. And it, this will be my last day for taking requests for tactile maps. And I have some tactile maps for people that I've already made. So look for me, Frank Welty, room 836 in the Riverside.
Mike eight. Uh, good morning, morning, Mr. Chair, David Tron. This is Alan Peterson, Alan Peterson raffle ticket. Peterson, uh, I have barrel form raffle tickets for sale. Uh, they're going fast. You you need to get uh, in line. I I, I uh, would very much like to sell raffle tickets to anyone. I do sell a few. I've sell, sold a few winning raffle tickets in the past. So. Uh, uh, would like to sell you a winning raffle ticket. <laughs> I, I'm in the North Dakota delegation, so, uh, or you can uh, call my cell phone, 701-715-5482. I'd be very happy to sell you a raffle ticket. And it might be the winning one. You could win $5,000. I have sold two, two winning $5,000 tickets in the past. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we got it. Two. Mike, two. Hi, this is Jeanette Gerard. Um, the Ivy delegation is selling raffle tickets. Um, they are two for $3 or three for five. The, there are two prizes. First prize is a scarf, a real nice scarf and a hat. And the second prize is a tote bag, um, compliments of Artis Bazin. You can see Artis or myself. I'm in the DC delegation, or you can see me uh, all over the place, or in room 1116 uh, at the Hyatt. Um, but I have plenty of these and uh, would like to, the drawing will be tomorrow morning at general session. Thank you. Hi, um, just quickly, in the state of Washington, the Department of Services for the Blind has a job posting for a director of the Orientation and Training Center and they are really wanting, we really want, somebody from ACB, if possible, who is qualified to apply and get that job. So either go to dsb.wa.gov and check out that job posting or contact me and I'd be happy to, this is Cindy Van Winkle, I'd be happy to send you the official posting of the job. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, we have a member of the Missouri delegation who is looking to hook up with uh, people who are good at Android training, offering Android training. So if you're interested, please come to the uh, Missouri delegation and we'll try and hook you up. <clears throat> Tom Frank from Vermont. Need to get a hold of Brian Charlson because we're talking about doing a ukulele group for Chicago <laughs> next year, so. I know somebody that knows him is right around here. You know, I've been fortunate over the years to have a career in vending for over 30 years. And after that, I retired and went to work for the Alabama Industries for the Blind in the service department. And I met a young guy then who worked at NIB. I worked mainly more with his wife than I did him, but it, it uh, ended up being a great relationship. If you don't know what NIB is, it's the ACB Employment Agency. Just don't let them know it. <laughs> they, they don't like our interviews, I don't think. But um, 
He has done a great job. He's come on board as our executive director, and we're doing just a whole, whole bunch of relationships and all that we, we haven't been able to do in the past. We're where some of us, uh, Brian Charleston and I had a conversation when I first came on the board, that was some 15, 16 years ago, about what we would like to be sitting at the table doing. And folks, we're doing it today, and largely in part to this young man that's going to speak to you next. For his executive report, I give you our own executive director, Eric Bridges. Thank you for the intro, David. That was very nice. Well, good morning, ACB. Is everybody tired? Yes. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone. Uh, it has been a great uh, convention thus far. Tomorrow we have uh, elections and more resolutions and constitution and bylaws and a banquet tomorrow evening, which is going to be so fun. A lot has happened over the last year in the national office and, and in Minneapolis. Uh, our small but mighty team has changed, uh, has evolved. Since last July, when we were all together, we welcomed a new employee to the Minneapolis office, and Nicole Baito. She's been wonderful to have on board. She really deals a lot with the thrift stores, the two thrift stores that we have in Texas, as well as uh, HR, payroll. Uh, it's been wonderful to, to welcome her to the team and, and uh, be able to observe all of her talents. Tony Stevens. Tony Stevens went up and left um, in November. Unforgivable. Um, what what a, a wonderful teammate he was, and what is so nice is that Tony has remained very much engaged in the work of ACB. Uh, we have a wonderful relationship. The, the team uh, has a wonderful relationship with him. I consider him a friend, and he is absolutely dedicated to, to the mission of this organization, is going to continue <clears throat> in his participation. In fact, he just accepted... Uh, the invitation to become the new chair of ACB's Information Access Committee. So, congratulations to Tony. So, after he left, uh, we did a search for his replacement. And I'm very pleased that uh, we were able to identify a candidate that had a lot of real-world experience. In other words, he's a blind dude, which is great. Uh, but also, he was working in the field, and he was somebody that I had known for about a decade. Uh, and in February, we were very pleased to welcome Clark Rockfall to our team. And then we hired somebody in June, but we'll talk about her in a minute. So, a lot of change has, has gone on, but a lot of uh, positive, uh, good things are coming from these, these changes. We're creating a, a really nice work culture inside 
ACB on the day-to-day. Um, things evolve through the years, people come and go, but w- what is important from my perspective is that we're hiring folks that have integrity, that are flexible, that are willing to collaborate, that take initiative, and that, (laughs) yes, thank you, Cindy. Cindy's in bag me. Folks that respect one another on the day-to-day. Why did I just name these things? Well, you'll find out in a minute. (laughs) So I stood before you in Reno two years ago talking about our overall agenda as it pertained to our, our strategic plan and the need for ACB to do a deep dive into the business of the American Council of the Blind to understand the gaps that, that we face, the redundancies that we face, things that we need to build uh, subject matter expertise in in order to be able to move the organization forward. And I'm very pleased that much of that work that I've reported on to you over these last couple of years has helped the organization move forward in substantive ways. Um, we were able to go out, for example, and hire Claire Stanley last year. We were able to hire uh, this woman named Cindy Van Winkle that we'll introduce to you in a minute. But a lot of other stuff has gotten done. A uh, brand new website, the creation of the Legacy Endowment Fund, and the fact that two individuals uh, passed away and, and uh, that, that fund is going to be, uh, it, it's going to have a nice start, we'll put it that way. Um, these are all really good substantive things. Here at this convention, uh, introducing continuing education credits. Um, all these are aspects of the strategic plan. But as we sort of got further away from the work of that, there, there was a real need for us to take a look at how do we continue to evolve? How do we, how do we do the work of the American Council of the Blind in a way that is productive and effective? And how do we, how do we figure out what, what we want to be as an organization in the, ne- in the next, let's say, five years? And so in in January of this year, uh, a group of ACB leaders and and folks on my team got together and uh, were part of a facilitated discussion, a visioning discussion, where we actually talked through a lot of, you know, the concerns that we have for the organization, the things that are are not working, but also the things that are working and why are they working? Uh, And what, you know, how do we, how do we, continue to evolve in the 21st century with technology being what it is and folks' uh, interest or at times lack of interest in joining anything. So much has come from that. We're continuing to work on the vision for this organization and more will be communicated with you all as we move forward. But what I can tell you is that on Friday during the board meeting, a vision statement for the American Council of the Blind was approved by the board of directors. Let me read it to you, because I'm such a fast braille reader. 
It is. ACB vision statement. To create a society without barriers for the blind and visually impaired community through advocacy, public awareness, collaboration, and support. So, good stuff. This, this vision statement pairs quite nicely with our mission. Our mission statement that has been in existence for some time now. To go along with that, the board also approved our core values. And these core values are really, they represent who we want to, to be, uh, who we want to, to recruit, the sorts of qualities that we want to have in our leaders. So it's, it's employees and leaders. And these core values, you may recognize them because I stumbled through them a few minutes ago. Integrity and honesty. Respect. Collaboration. Flexibility. And initiative. And next to each one of these is a description of, of, those, of those words and why they matter to us. Incidentally, you will be receiving, if you have not already been uh, emailed uh, by Kelly Gask, uh, the vision statement and the core values. We're putting them uh, out this morning. They're going out over Facebook and Twitter. They will be housed on our website for everyone to see. So, one of the other things that we've heard a lot down through the years is that, you know, we're not hearing enough about ACB. Uh, in the media, or ACB is not getting the word out uh, about all of its good works. And I'm so pleased to, to be able to stand in front of you all this morning and provide you just a quick update on uh, some communications channels that we have introduced uh, really since this convention last year. In the fall of 2018, we introduced the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. I'm pretty partial. I, I think it's really cool. Um, and, and why I think it it is so, so cool and informative is that uh, we put one out every week. Uh, it started off being co-hosted by Tony Stevens and Claire Stanley, and now is co-hosted by Clark Rockville and Claire Stanley. And they cover a lot of different topics. Uh, some of them are hardcore advocacy issues, uh, you know, dealing, dealing with, you know, transportation, employment, but then they also interview other folks. Like, they did a, uh, late last fall, they did a wonderful interview with the folks from IRA. Anaru Cole, Dan Fry, Paul Schrader. They came into our office to, to record the podcast, and it was awesome. Uh, they recently did one with Matt Ader from Vespero. Also, towards the end of the year, we were sitting around trying to figure out how we can better communicate the work of ACB uh, through 
the various lists. So a lot of you are probably listed to death inside ACB in terms of email. A lot of really good information goes out, uh, but it's, it tends to be a lot of emails, uh, tons of email at times. So how could we as a national office collect all of that, sort of aggregate it, and put it in one place for folks to be able to uh, sort of peruse and click on links if they wanted to learn more. And from that discussion, uh, Dots and Dashes was born. Dots and Dashes comes out every couple weeks, uh, two to three weeks. It depends upon the amount of content that, that is floating around out there. And it's a nice way, and we've received a lot of very positive feedback about having uh, a newsletter, a, a very informal newsletter that deals primarily with ACB work, but also with other announcements from corporations and other disability organizations. Just a nice way to be able to, to, to read what you want and move through something pretty quickly. So it's excellent. There's more that we're working on as well, as it pertains to, to communication, as it pertains to fundraising and development, as it pertains to advocacy and, and public policy. There's a ton that is going on inside our organization. And this vision statement, these core values, and what we're continuing to work on with, with the overall vision of the organization is going to allow us to work smarter. We already work really hard, but there are aspects of the organization that need to evolve, um, as with any organization. If you're not evolving, you're dying. And so over the coming years, wow, thank you. Um, over, the, over the coming months and years, there will be uh, some change to this organization. I think uh, very positive change and necessary change not to go and change the soul of the organization, but just to allow us to put in mechanisms so that we can operate more, more effectively and do more for you all. One of the key components of this in the future is interfacing with membership and affiliates. And in June, we were able to hire Cindy Van Winkle to be our membership <laughs> services coordinator. Cindy is somebody uh, that many of you have known for quite some time. It was important to me that we uh, look at hiring a qualified member to come in uh, so that the, while the learning curve is still fairly steep for her in this new role, because it is a new role and it's going to evolve, but she, she knows the structure of the organization, she knows the history of the organization, and most importantly, she knows the people in the organization. So with the remaining time that I have left here, I am going to reserve the balance of my time, as they say in the House of Representatives, and recognize the woman now from Minneapolis, Cindy Van Winkle. Hi, ACB. <clears throat> I do not have much of a voice, but I am so excited to be here 
as a staff member now of ACB, I feel like I'm living the dream. I've been a member for 33 years, and I see ACB as a community. ACB is a community, but we have so much work to do in this area of strengthening us as a community. For people to feel a part of a community, they need to feel connection. And I would bet that if you went back to your affiliates and talked to members who are not here this week and asked them where they're a member of for the blind, they would probably mention your affiliate, maybe their chapter, likely would not mention American Council of the Blind. We need to change that. I hope that through our work together, we will find ways to reach every member of ACB so that they know they are a member of this organization and that they feel the same pride that I do and I hope you do. For that to occur, we have to find new ways to reach our membership and prospective members. And I'll leave you with just a few words to think about. We need to embrace our members. People that visit us need to be made to feel welcomed, but we also need to, that's right, but we also need to embrace our current members as well. We need to engage our membership. <clears throat> People aren't gonna come for a visit and then not and, and then come back if they do not feel like they're needed or wanted. So we need to find ways. Yeah, you can clap. We need to engage people. When we engage people, we do the next step, which is empower them. And we empower people through their activity and growth in our membership. So it might be through training. It might be through committee a committee participation or chairmanship, but we need to find ways to empower our members and make them feel as, as needed and wanted as they are. And we need to know that we are going to evolve as, Eric's, as Eric mentioned. Change is scary. A lot of people don't like change. And sometimes you just gotta grab a hold and go for it, like I did in moving to Minneapolis. <clears throat> but we will evolve. I envision, hey, there's another E. I envision ACB evolving into a growing, stronger, passionate, connected membership. And I look forward to working with each affiliate state and special interest, as well as if chapters have questions. I want to be a resource and support for you. So please give me a call at the Minneapolis office, 612-332-3242, or you can email me at cvanwinkle at acb.org. I look forward to speaking with many of you over the coming years. I plan for this to be a long-term relationship with me and ACB. I'm excited to have this opportunity to work with all of you. 
Go ACB. Fortunately, last year I uh, introduced this young lady who's going to come and talk to us about a project we're doing. I'll tell you about it in a minute. And I butchered her name then. And she said, I love your accent. So that's a blessing because I'm probably going to do it again, Saja. <laughs> but uh, the unidirectional, I'm sorry, unidescription project providing tools, training, and mobile apps to spread audio description throughout our nation's parks. Saja Korala, graduate research assistant from the University of Hawaii. Aloha. It is a privilege to be back to give you an update on the Uni Description Project. I work as a research assistant on this project, but first and foremost, I am a proud member of the Hawaii Association of the Blind. Some of you may remember me from last year's convention and this year, Dr. Thomas Conway, who is a co-principal investigator on our project, is also here. We are excited to share with you what we have accomplished since I spoke to you last year. But before I do that, for those of you who are unfamiliar with our project, Unidescription, or UniD for short, is a collaboration between the American Council of the Blind, Google, the National Park Service, and the University of Hawaii. Our goal is to audio describe the brochures of all 420 national parks in the United States. Thank you. The brochures of national parks are visually appealing with a wide range of images. And blind and visually impaired individuals are left out of the experience of enjoying these images that communicate the natural beauty and rich history of our country. The Unidescription Project is a small step in alleviating accessibility issues related to national park brochures for people who are blind or visually impaired. We house the audio described brochures in an app called Unidescription. That is one word, U-N-I, description. The app is available on Android and iOS and is free of cost. Just search for Unidescription in the App Store or Google Play and you will find it. If you do not have the app on your mobile device, please download it and give us your feedback. Dr. Conway and I will be at the Hawaii table and we would love to hear from you. Speaking of updates, we have made a lot of significant progress in a year. We conducted field studies with ACB members at Minuteman National Historical Park, Morristown National Historical Park, Cape Cod National Seashore, and Harpers Ferry Center. If any of you who participated in these field studies are in the audience, thank you so much, and special thank you to our president, Kim Charlson, for helping us find volunteers. 
We received largely positive feedback on our brochures and app, and some areas were identified where we can improve to make the app more accessible. We are diligently working to address these issues. We uh, assisted several parks in posting the audio described brochures on their websites, and we worked with parks on spreading the word about this accessible content through their social media channels. One of the common comments we hear from people who are blind or visually impaired is that NPS sites don't have anything available for them. We are learning that oftentimes the sites do have accessible features, but those features are not communicated well to the potential audience. So we have spent a lot of time advising parks on strategies for informing blind and visually impaired individuals about their accessible resources. We reviewed our web content accessibility policy and made sure that it reflects the latest standards directed by web content accessibility guidelines. In addition to an app, the project has developed a web tool that allows any individual to create audio description of anything visual. If this interests you, a search for Unidescription on the internet will direct you to our website where you will find a wealth of information on audio description. Although we started this project with the intention of audio describing the national park brochures, our ambitions have grown with each positive response to our description, and now we simply want to audio describe the world. Thank you. I'm so happy to share with you that this is happening not only in national parks, but in some surprising places as well. The Scandinavian Heritage Park in North Dakota found out about our project <laughs> and has started to audio describe its facility by experimenting with our web tool. The Bishop Museum in Hawaii, which is the cultural hub of Hawaiian traditions, found out about our web tool and is considering ways to make their facilities more accessible. The, thank you. The fact that these places are finding and using the web tool by themselves shows that Unity is making a difference and our project wouldn't be so strong without ACB's tremendous support. So thank you for all your help. Thank you. We conducted our fourth Descriptathon in March. A Descriptathon is where we bring national parks together and train them on audio description. 24 parks participated in our Descriptathon, and we have added 12 audio described brochures to our app, making it a total of 67. We are, thank you. We are putting the final touches on the brochures for rest of participating parks, and they will be available to the public in the near future. ACB played an instrumental role in making our Descriptathon a grand success. Several members served as judges who gave feedback on the quality of audio description. Some were liaisons who provided one-on-one -on -one guidance and answers to parks' questions as they went about audio describing their brochures. And others, including the president and first vice president, shared their experiences with Unity and educated parks on the importance of accessibility. 
Can we please give them all a hand? Thank you, ACB. Because the southeast region of the United States is underrepresented in our project, Dr. Opagard, who is leading this project, visited parks in the southern states, and I'm happy to report that they were very receptive to our project. We are hopeful that about 20 of them will join us for our next Descriptathon. Descriptathon 5 is scheduled for August, and we are busily preparing for that event. We plan to conduct more field studies in the future, and we will continue to expand our outreach efforts. Thank you, ACB, for your ongoing support for our project. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak here today, and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments about our project, please feel free to reach out to me or Dr. Conway. And again, we are in the Hawaii table. Thank you. Great job and a great program. Uh, anytime you have the opportunity to support that program and that project, be sure to do so because it's, it's really moving along and we're excited and we're glad to have Saja back this year. All right. One of the main things we're all about is advocacy. I can't even talk this morning. <laughs> and um, I'm probably going to butcher another name. You know me. Uh, I'm, I'm gathering the H is silent, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, for our um, advocacy and legislative update, Clark Rackpole, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs, Alexandria, Virginia. He's new. Y'all give him a good welcome, and he's going to do a great job for us. Thank you. Good morning, ACB. So I'd, I don't know what the problem is. I think Clark's a pretty simple name to, to pronounce. Um, and unlike Cindy Van Winkle, I did not do karaoke the other night, so I still have my voice. So. <laughs> All right. Um, as Dave said, I'm relatively new here. My name is Clark Rockfall, and I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. And as Eric mentioned, I started with ACB back in February. Um, actually, tomorrow I will have been with ACB for five months. So, yeah, and in that time, um, I've not slept much. I, <laughs> there's a lot going on, uh, especially with regards to our legislative imperatives. Um, how many people were in Washington, D.C. and Alexandria, Virginia for the legislative seminar back in February? That's great. And I hope that you all come out next year as well. So for you, these legislative imperatives will not be new. Um, but a quick update on them will hopefully provide some new information about what we've been up to. So let's start with the first one, with the imperative on accessible, durable medical equipment, especially equipment for the monitoring, testing, and management of diabetes. Diabetes being the 
leading cause of blindness for working age adults in the U.S. Um, there's research from the Centers for Disease Control that over 23% of people with type 1 diabetes will experience diabetes-related vision loss. For people with type 2 diabetes acquired later in life, it's over 5%. So these are very large numbers. And not all diabetes equipment, as Diabetics in Action, one of our affiliates, can, can attest to, not all of this equipment is accessible. So, our legislative imperative is to take a three-pronged approach, working with Congress to introduce legislation to require durable medical ex equipment, especially for the management and care of diabetes, to be made accessible. And then this will also impact durable medical equipment for all other conditions as well. We're still looking for some legislative leadership on this issue, uh, but we've been talking with the Commerce Committees, the Congressional Diabetes Caucus, and we will continue to have those conversations and raise the profile of this issue. The second prong is a regulatory approach, so working with the Department of Health and Human Services and agencies within HHS, such as the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the Food and Drug Administration, and so on, uh, to identify uh, regulatory changes that can encourage manufacturers to include accessibility in their devices. And we're very flexible and open here. Um, we don't we defer to the regulators whether those approaches are going to be more of a carrot or more of a stick. But one thing that's clear is that industry is very slow to move in this direction on their own. So whether it is encouragement through you know, offering expedited approval for new uh, durable medical equipment or higher reimbursement rates for accessible durable medical equipment. Uh, we want to work with government and work with industry to move these products along and bring them to market. And the third prong, uh, those of you who attended the legislative seminar, you heard a presentation from uh, Matt Handley, a lawyer formerly with the Washington Lawyers Committee who has worked with ACB in the past. Uh, and he was also here at the conference interviewing members of ACB, uh, trying to wrap his his hands around what the current state of the market is, where the shortcomings are, so that we can investigate uh, potential litigation against device manufacturers as well. Our second imperative is one that is not new to ACB. It's been around since 2013, and that's a piece of legislation called the, I gotta take a deep breath here, the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act. So in the past three Congresses, this bill was introduced by Representative Maloney from New York and Representative Bilirakis from Florida. It's a bipartisan piece of legislation. And as of a couple weeks ago, the offices are on board and they are now circulating a dear colleague to their colleagues in the House of Representatives to introduce this legislation again and seek co-sponsors. So over those listservs that Eric mentioned earlier, you've probably seen emails coming from Claire and me 
asking you to reach out to your members of Congress. I assure you that won't be the last time we ask you to do that, but asking them to co-sponsor this piece of legislation so that we can raise the profile of this issue. And our, one of our main goals, and obviously passage is the primary goal, but in steps to get there, some of our intermediate goals is to have this legislation introduced in the Senate for the first time. So stay tuned for more on that. Our final legislative imperative is for the introduction and passage of the AV Start Act for autonomous vehicles. And we're working closely with industry partners such as General Motors to make sure that when autonomous vehicles come to market, there are not barriers that prevent people with disabilities from owning or operating autonomous vehicles. For example, why do you need to pass a vision test or have a driver's license to, to own a vehicle that does not have a steering wheel or that you don't actually drive? But we also wanna make sure that the technology in these vehicles is accessible. We need to know how to find the vehicle, how to operate the vehicle once we are inside, and when we exit the vehicle, how to get from the vehicle to our final destination. Earlier you heard from Claire Stanley, our advocacy and outreach specialist. Claire is our guru for transportation issues, so autonomous vehicles, and also as she mentioned, working with airlines, Department of Transportation, the FAA, on airline accessibility. And one point of clarification from earlier, we had a question about um, how to contact the Department of Transportation. Um, should you expect a response and will the NPRM in the fall be the same as the survey that they've done before? So, the NPRM that we expect in the fall, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, that will be new. And for those of you who were in attendance yesterday and heard Will Shell from the FCC, Comments matter. If we do not comment, even if we think it's the same as what came before, if we do not comment, we do not exist. So we need to make our voices heard whenever we have the opportunity to do so. So we will be sure to comment, uh, provide additional information once that comment period is open. If you experience any situations with airlines where you think that you have been discriminated against or discriminated against because you have a service animal, reach out to advocacy at acb.org and you can also reach out to the Department of Transportation directly. When filing comments or complaints with the Department of Transportation, you have 60 days and the Department of Transportation is required to investigate the complaint and the airlines are required to respond to the Department of Transportation. So yes, you will receive a response. More broadly on transportation, we're also working with Amtrak to make sure that their um, ticket purchasing processes, their website, their applications, their phone lines are accessible, that they, the new trains that they bring into service are accessible for people with disabilities and that people with disabilities, especially people who are blind and low vision, can navigate train stations, whether they are busy train stations in large cities or they are unmanned stations in rural America. 
In addition to the transportation issues, we're also working in the employment space. In this area, we collaborate with other nonprofit organizations, such as National Industries for the Blind and their affiliated agencies. Uh, we have many members who work at NIB agencies, and we want to make sure that, as you heard from the resolution earlier today, that they continue to be able to have meaningful employment in those facilities. On the education front, we are working for reintroduction of of the Cogswell-Macy Act um, to enhance the education opportunities for students who are blind, deafblind, deaf and hard of hearing. With regards to the Federal Communications Commission and uh, video description and accessible user interfaces, we continue to file comments throughout the year to raise the profile of this issue. Earlier in the spring, we asked for member comments and again, as, as Will mentioned, those comments were heard. And one example, one stark example that just came to our attention yesterday, due to comments that we filed with the deaf of hard of hearing community just a couple weeks ago, a commissioner of the FCC reached out yesterday afternoon for testimonials for how video described uh, children's educational programming impacts the lives of children's and parents with disabilities. So it's a very quick turnaround. You probably saw the emails go out over the list last night. We received some feedback. We sent it to the commissioner's staff, and those testimonials are being shared at the FCC's commission open meeting this morning. So that, that right there is a prime example of how we can make our voices heard and that we're not just screaming into the wind, but we can have an impact. We continue to work on accessible technology, uh, website accessibility, accessible kiosks. Matt Ader from Vespero a couple days was talking about um, kiosk accessibility and even braille compatibility for kiosks, and, and the main issue here is information access. We want to make sure that our members are able to access the information they want, the services they need, um, and just live more complete and fulfilling lives. Uh, in this area, we're also collaborating with other organizations. Uh, for one example, the BVA, Blinded Veterans Association, and much to our, uh, our friend Pat Sheehan's chagrin. Um, this, the BVA is introducing a bill called the VA Website Accessibility Act, requiring the, veterans, the Department of Veterans Affairs to conduct a review and make sure that their websites, their kiosks, their apps are all accessible to veterans. And our opinion is if the VA can do this, other governmental agencies can do this, private industry can do this. Medical providers at the point of check-in can do this. So, although, I, I'm going to quote uh, Rebecca Bridges right now. Eric, you stinker. <laughs> he stole part of my presentation when he was talking about the 
the ways that we communicate these advocacy channels out to our members, whether that is the Advocacy Update podcast. This podcast is available um, through your favorite podcast players. It is also carried over ACB radio. And we know that about 5,000 people listen to these podcasts each month. We've gotten great feedback. It's everything, as Eric mentioned, from deep dives on policy issues, sharing ways on how to comment on open proceedings at the FCC, but also talking about what was coming up at the convention, introductions to Cindy Van Winkle, uh, and we should have one going out this week about the work of ACB students. Many of you, as you just heard, um, Saja gave a presentation on uni description. Well, if Saja looked familiar, it was because earlier this week we did a Facebook Live with her and the uni description application. That video, although it's only been up for a matter of two days, has been viewed over 600 times and has been seen by over 1,300 people. And Facebook Live is another example of how we are broadening our reach and raising the profile of these advocacy issues. And Eric also mentioned dots and dashes. Um, this email newsletter is compiled by um, our great editor, Sharon Lovering, and shared with the ACB membership. Sharon also does some great work updating the Washington connection for us so that we can keep our members up to date um, via the Washington Connection phone lines. And we received feedback that we had become a little lax on doing this, so we're making a point to do this more often. We've taken that, that feedback to heart. As we continue our legislative outreach, our advocacy, and our collaboration, um, it's, it can only be as strong as the membership. Our job is made much easier when the membership is engaged and is sharing with us their experiences in the real world. It's those testimonials, it's that feedback that really makes a difference and moves policymakers. So whenever we have the opportunity to provide comments to the government, to reach out and ask for co-sponsors, you know, we're trying not to bombard everyone over the listservs too often, but when we do it, it's because, the, because time is of the essence, but also because the issues as raised by our members are important and warrant this reaction. So just in closing, I will add that the advocacy um, grassroots boot camp will be held this afternoon at 1.15, directly below the ballroom here, in Lilac South, and Claire and I will be leading this session talking about the different branches of government, how we can activate and engage with those branches of government, and really talk about effective advocacy. And what we mean by effective advocacy is, you know, not necessarily like complaining about problems, but advocating and effectively advocating for solutions. So once again, 
My name's Clark Rockfall. If you would like to contact Claire and me on a legislative or advocacy issue, please reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. And as I've become famous for in staff meetings, one more thing, I would like to thank the, all of the special interest affiliates and our committees and task forces who engage with us on these issues to help us work through these issues and share them with the membership. So thank you all for volunteering your time, your, what was it, Tim, 18,502 hours of work on these issues. It's making a difference. Thank you. Thanks, Clark. It's good to also have somebody that needs the mic almost as high as I do. This is, this is the morning, as I told you earlier, that you would learn what ACB's doing. And we've just had some great reports from the staff of ACB. And again, I want to reiterate, it is an amazing thing to see the amount of work that's done in ACB with the few staff that we have. Am I pushing for a new staff member? Probably so, but that, <laughs> there you go. They're a great group of people and they're a great team and they work well with the board. Now, how do we pay for it? Well, you've heard this week some of the ways that we pay for it. But how do you pay for it? Well, we're going to tell you about that. If you, if you got your wallet lifted last night at the auction, you probably know how you pay for it. <laughs> and if you got out and pushed people to work with you on the walk, you know how we pay for it. Don't forget Alan's tickets. That's how we pay for it. And don't ever... If you need a fundraiser at home and you have no way to get out and have one, MMS is an excellent opportunity for you. But to talk about the auction, uh, we have the chair of the walk committee, Ms. Donna Brown, the chair of the auction committee, Ms. Leslie Spoon, our co see, they must be doing more than I did because I, when I was chair of RDC, there wasn't but one of me. Uh, but the co-chairs of RDC, we call them the Dans, Dan Spoon and Dan Dillon. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as David said, <clears throat> the Dans, I'm Dan Dillon, and Dave, Dave, uh, Dan uh, Spoon is on the floor in front of the stage. He's going to hand out the uh, plaques, the walk plaques for the walk teams. Well, we co-chair we co the uh, Resource Development Committee, and for those newbies that don't know what the RDC committee is or the Resource Development Committee, we oversee many of the fundraisers for ACB. And I believe David mentioned most of them. We have, uh, you know, the walk that we had early last Saturday morning was very successful. And we have the auction that was last night, was very successful. And, um, and we have the raffle 
the ACB Braille Forum raffle. We're still selling tickets. You need to get your tickets. And, uh, and then we have the MMS program, which I think is a wonderful program that we need more of you to participate in. You know, you heard uh, Eric talk about uh, the new hirings we've had, and not only are we hiring more people, but we're hiring people that are getting the job done. And in order to do that, we need money. We need more money. And I know probably a lot of you get tired of me talking about it, but this, this is not only at the, the national level, but in your local chapters and your state affiliates. You want to attract new members, and you want to hold on to the members you have, and to one way to attract the members is to have activities and programs to attract new members. But in order to have those activities and programs, it, it takes money. You've got to raise money. So um, before I introduce anybody, uh, I want to be sure that uh, Mike Godino is on stage and Donna Brown is on stage with me and Leslie Spoon is on stage. Then I want to invite the captains of your walk teams to start making your way towards uh, the stage, not on the stage, but make your way towards in front of the stage as you face the stage on the right-hand side of the stage. Because at the end of this uh, presentation, we will be handing out the walk plaques to the, uh, the captains of the uh, walk teams. Okay, so I think we can start. Is, is, Mike, is Mike Godino uh, on stage to give their MMS report? Okay. Okay. Well, let's 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 Donna's going to be last. Um, let's David. Can you give us a update on the uh, raffle and where David go? Oh, here he goes. Okay, here here he goes. The the last time we had a full check on the raffle, the tickets that have been turned in. Now we have some others that are sold. We're at $10,000, so we are in the black. But our goal this year is 17000 We generally do 15, 14, 5. So we need your support. So get out there and buy them. I, you know, at this point, nobody's going to beat Alan. Go ahead and get them from him. Okay, thank you, David. Now, to, to talk about the successful auction last night, we have Leslie Spoon and Cindy Van Winkle. So good morning, everyone. So Cindy Van Winkle and I are co-chairs for this ACB auction. About 11 years ago, a person named Brenda Dillon got me involved in this wonderful organization and ACB and the auction and the walk. So I just want to take this opportunity to say how much the Dillons have meant to do the spoons in this time. and that this auction is near and dear to my heart and Cindy and Jeff's. Um, Cindy is going to go to bigger and better endeavors and still be with me in the office part and liaison part. But I just want to give her a round of applause because she's been truly my best friend through all this, this auction events. So thank you, Cindy, my co-chair. 
I couldn't do anything without you. You're the best. Uh, we also have a really great committee, and I'll try, well, I will try not to forget you, but if I do, I apologize. We have Beth Corley, Zelda Gebhardt, Marsha Farrow, Debbie Young, Terry Lynn from Hawaii. <laughs> um, we also have Jeff Tom, Michael Garrett, Kathy Casey, and just a wonderful bunch of people. I don't know, you guys don't know this because it happens Tuesday night, but the auction happens, starts happening many months before this. So it's a wonderful event. It's a fun event. It's a tiring event. We had wonderful guest auctioneers and describers last night. So I really, really just want to say a big thank you to the affiliates. And to you guys for coming out and bidding and bidding and bidding and bidding and bidding and bidding and spending all your lo lovely, wonderful money for ACB. And also to the vendors that came back to us. So it's, it just means a lot to us. For the total, this is awesome. I'm so, so, so excited. I know Mr. D, Brenda's up there smiling down on us and having a, a dance and maybe a piece of cake for me. So we raised, are you all ready? $19,000 last night. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Cindy Van Winkle. I love you. I love my committee. Thank you so much. Okay, and, and I just want to say, Leslie works so hard. She makes calls, 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 and um, keeps everybody in line, encourages everyone on her committee, and uh, I hope that she'll take it on on her own next year. She can do it. I uh, love her. And um, the auction would not be what it is without her behind it. So help me thank Leslie Spoon. And I just want to say that a pretty good chunk of that total last night that we raised was my money. But I always, I always justify what I spend, and it's the truth. It goes to a wonderful cause. Oh, oh. Now, I want to introduce uh, the chair of the MMS committee, and uh, which is the mon monthly monetary support program. And if you don't know anything about it, uh, Mike Godino is going to tell you about it right now. Thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you, everybody. The MMS program is a really great program. It's been growing ever since uh, I, I took it over, and it's really exciting to see that we're averaging uh, probably about $100,000 a year, which comes in in donations to ACB, which is a, a really a great thing. And it's all, you know, on you guys. You guys are putting up those dollars each and every year. The Monthly Monetary Support Program is a program that we, as members and our friends and families, will donate a little bit each month and receive a receipt at the end of the year for a large donation. So it's really a great program to get involved with. Those dollars come out of an account that you choose. Those dollars come out when you want them to come out during the month. So it's not like it's, uh, oh, surprise. It's, it's, it comes out at a chosen time on the account that you choose. It could be a checking account. It could be a credit card account. 
but you're making that donation. As little as $10 a month can get somebody started, and you can go up to whatever amount you choose. And those dollars can also be separated in between a donation to ACB, and you can donate 50% of that to an affiliate of your choice if you want. You don't have to. You can if, if you choose. So the monthly monetary support program has been a great program for ACB. It has raised a great deal of money, and we are supporting the organization that we love as we give to ACB in little increments during the course of each month. So I, I, I really appreciate all of you who are involved. If you're not involved, you can come see me at the MMS table today at, in, the, in the exhibit hall, and I will have a mark Marketplace table tomorrow morning. Um, we, we've been giving away uh, giveaways as we do each year. Uh, this morning, uh, the chosen uh, winner was Karen uh, Kathy Gearhart from West Virginia. So uh, we uh, eighty dollars in each each one of those gift cards in, in gift cards has been given away each day since this convention began. So it's you got one more day if you want to get in on that drawing for tomorrow morning. At the end of this convention, we'll be closing out for the year and we're giving away a 43-inch Fire TV um, to one lucky winner and we are also giving away an, an Echo to another lucky winner. So we do this each year. We give away gifts uh, to try and uh, as an incentive to bring people into the MMS program. And it has been working. I'm very, very happy. And thank you all for donating to ACB through the MMS program. It's a great program. Make sure you get involved. Okay, last but certainly not least is the chair of the walk committee. I want to introduce to you is Donna Brown. Start spreading the news. We're walking today. Rochester's all excited about the 100K. Be tying your shoes, get off of your dove. We'll make a photo finish by strutting off stuff. everyone. Good morning, ACB. Good morning, all those people out on ACB radio, because some of you had a hand in this ACB walk in some way. So, um, if you noticed in the song, there, you know, talked about getting off your duff and strutting your stuff and all that good stuff. And I, I just truly want to thank everyone who had a part in this walk, but who actually got up it early Saturday morning and came and walked. But before I get too far, I need to thank our sponsors. We had a couple of sponsors for the walk. Uh, the Macular Degeneration Foundation, 
our wonderful friends from Vanda Pharmaceuticals and the Buell Fund. So let's give them a hand. And before I get on to the more interesting stuff, I need to thank my committee. You know, I, I always often use the quote, um, from Helen Keller, alone we can do so little and together we can do so much. And man, the walk committee, it fits that. So I have the best committee in ACB. I say that every year and it just gets better and better. Uh, so I, I need to thank my co-chair, Leslie Spoon, who was always there to clean up for me. Um, but I, I thank Katie Frederick. She did a lot of publicity for us and she somehow carried all the bags over to the walk on Saturday morning. I don't know how she did that, but anyway, she did. Uh, Robert Spangler, you know, he's, he's, I, he's one of the few on our committee with some vision and <laughs> kind of helps sometimes. But Melvin Smith, really, if you were at the walk on Saturday and if you got a bag, weren't they awesome? I, so Melvin Smith did a fabulous job uh, getting those bags and, and the design on them. I'm not going to describe it. But anyway, Linda Allison, Leslie Spoon got us um, wonderful prizes. And then Dan Dillon, you know, he just does so much. He, he gets our sponsors. He tries to round up volunteers. And he just does all those little things. And then Dan Spoon keeps us on track, thank, thankfully. And David Trott is there to give us moral support from the ACB uh, officers. Anyway. So now the walk. In that song, it said 100K. What in the world? That means that our goal is to raise $100,000 this year. Well, you know what? We're not there yet, but it's not too late. We are over 71,000. So, you know, we're almost two thirds or three fourths of the way there. I'm not, math is not one of my strengths. Uh, so, um, anyway, you can still get donations uh, for ACB. Uh, before, uh, by the end of July. You know, this walk, for people who don't know, this is a way for um, uh, affiliates to raise funds. And, and if you come to the RDC workshop this afternoon, you'll hear more about that kind of stuff. Uh, in the Douglas room, I don't want to bore you now with that because, you know, lunch is around the corner and uh, I still want you to be my friend. Um, so, um, anyway, we've raised over $71,000. You can still give donations. You can take donations to the uh, registration. They will happily take your money. Uh, you can still uh, put donations or, you know, enter them online. Um, the West Virginia Walkers team will happily take all the donations you want to give. But I just want to really stand up here and commend a few teams who have, oh my, that Florida group, they're over $26,000. But you know what that means for Florida? They're going to get a check for at least $13,000 in a few months. So the president's team, wow, they're over $6,000. And you know, our administrative office, uh, offices, they're over $4,000. Isn't that nice to have support from the officers of ACB and the people who work for ACB? Give them a hand. So, again, I want to thank all of you who had a part in this event, no matter how you did. Uh, if, if you helped to raise money for your team, uh, if you, you know, were just there to support your affiliate, however you had a part in it. If you haven't had a part in it yet and you want to, it's not too late. If you have any questions, ask me. Uh, I think that's all for now. I hope every team got their plaque. 
and it'll, the walk will be bigger and better next year. See y'all in Illinois. Okay, again, just in closing, thank you for your support. And uh, don't forget, when you're talking about the walk or the MMS program, half of the money that's raised comes back to your affiliate. Thank you, everyone. That is a great, hardworking committee who brings significant, a significant line to our budget every, each year. And believe you me, if, if we lost that budget line, we would, we would really feel the crunch. Hmm. As usual, I'm ahead of schedule. I know, see, everybody else runs on ACB time. I run on Alabama time. We may talk slow, but we're fast. <laughs> so uh, let's do a few door prizes. Can we do three door prizes right quick? So first up for our door prize from the ACBNY, we have a beach blanket. Ooh, for for the summer. It looks like a, uh, like a popcorn. It looks like popcorn. Okay, it's a popcorn beach blanket. That's cute. And the winner is Tom Hansen from Northport, Florida. Tom Hansen, are you here? Yes. Is he here? Good. I hope there's a beach near Northport. That'll be a good place to bring the blanket. All right. I'm sorry. Okay, good. All right, what do we have next, Steve? We have, also from ACBNY, an insulated lunch tote. Very nice. For all of your lunch toting needs. And it has a container in it if you need to put stuff in there. Okay, the winner is Thomas Love from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, are you in the house? He's here. Nice job, guys. You're staying till the end. I love it. <laughs> okay, next up. Can we do one? Are we going to do one more? Okay, we're going to do one more. Here it is. Ooh, this is for also from ACBNY an insulated wine cooler and coaster. Coasters for wine country. If you get a chance, go get some Finger Lakes wines while you're up here because they are delish. Okay, we have Jack Peacock from Worcester, Mass. Are you in the building? Jack Peacock from Worcester, Mass. Not here. Let's draw again. Guillermo Robles from Culver City, California. Guillermo Robles. Are you here? He's here? Is he here? Raise your hand, Guillermo. Another Massachusetts. Myra Russ from Amherst, Massachusetts. Myra's not here? We have a New Yorker, Jim Sheldon from Buffalo, New York. Are you here? Oh, he was a presenter. He might not be here. Okay, never mind. Um, Edward Stralza Jr. from Newark, Delaware. Are you here? Newark, Delaware. Edward Stralza. Not here. Nobody wants the wine cooler? Come on, guys. Linda Ellison, Knoxville, Tennessee. Are you here? She, is she here? Linda Ellison? I think, it, I think she might be here. Oh, no. Oh, no? Okay. She's not in the room. She's here. She, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. She's working? Where is she? Um, Linda is working for CCLVI stuff, so should we give her the prize? Okay, then. Linda, congratulations. Yeah, you have a wine cooler. If somebody would just come and pick that up. And I just want to take a quick moment of personal privilege while I'm up here. We have a birthday in the, AC, in the ACBNY delegation today. Kathy Lyons from Buffalo is celebrating her birthday today. 
So happy birthday, Kathy. Okay, do we have any last announcements? This is Kathy Lyons, and I can't think of a better place to be for my birthday than at the ACB convention. I apologize, it took me so long to get to the mic. I stood up to come to the mic, lost my balance, and fell on the floor. <laughs> what a way to make an entrance. But thank you very much for your well wishes. And have a great remainder of your convention. Happy birthday, Kathy. Happy birthday, Thank you. Any other announcements? This is James Edwards from Oregon. I'd like to um, let everyone know that Oregon now has a accessible prescription label law, thanks to the efforts of Darian Slayton Fleming, Art Stevenson, and several others. We went through the process, um, the legislative process, and got the bill signed last month. Being no further announcements, you are adjourned till in the morning. Thank you. You win the prize. I always do. You I'm got good everybody like out 10 minutes early. I did last year.